Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The headline, the White House and Congress are preparing for a potential railroad worker strike. The question is, will the compromise train leave the station? Will striking rail workers be a runaway train or will an economic disaster train run away with everything for the fall? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. This is one of those headlines that not a lot of people have been following all too closely. We're glad that Alex Duggerty, a reporter at Politico, is one of those that is on the case, uh, has a great piece in Politico today. And Alex, thanks for joining us. And for our listeners who haven't been following closely on this potential uh, strike by railroad workers, give us just a little bit of the lay of the land. Yeah, so railroad railroad workers um, and their unions have been negotiating a new contract uh, since 2019. With the freight rail companies, uh, there's a handful of them that operate the nation's entire freight rail network. Uh, those negotiations have had fits and starts for years, but the long story short of it is Friday is a deadline in those negotiations where both sides would be able to uh, either strike or lock out workers. Um, and that is something that is a you know fairly uh, significant possibility at this point in time um, since it appears that negotiations have continued to stall over the past few days. And, you know, that's uh, potentially means a shutdown for the nation's freight rail networks and and a whole host of implications that would come if freight trains would shut down around the entire country. Yeah. So let's let's look at the broad brush there in terms of the impact of that kind of strike. What are the things that are going to be impacted first or most? Well, there is some breaking news probably in the last 15 minutes or so. Amtrak has announced that all long distance trains uh, will be shut down in preparation of a strike. Uh, again, that does not mean a strike is going to happen starting on Monday, um, but Amtrak, uh, you know, some of these long-distance routes take a few days to run from end to end. Uh, they don't want to be put in a situation where a train is halfway, you know, through a route and, and a strike happens. Um, many of Amtrak's long-distance trains run on freight rail lines. So that's that's one thing that has just come up in the last uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, lots of cargo, uh, 40%, I believe, of the nation's cargo travels uh, over rail lines at some point. Um, And there really is not slack in the system. You can't put all those goods that would have been on freight rail cars onto trucks or boats, for example. Um, The capacity just isn't there. So that means if there is a strike, if there is a shutdown, um, folks are not going to be able to get their goods on time. 
And in addition to Amtrak, a lot of commuter trains around the country uh, also operate on freight rail lines. So a lot of commuters won't be able to get to work uh, starting on Friday if, if a strike does, in fact, happen. Yeah, so those implications become very big and very far-reaching in terms of the impact there. Let's look at the political side of all of this. Obviously, a, a rail strike of that magnitude uh, before a midterm election is is not good. We know President Biden uh, has been uh, telling people he's on the case. He's got uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg uh, engaged as well. Uh, what's the messaging come out of the White House? Uh, what's the strategy there? So the messaging so far out of the White House is we, we want to see an agreement happen by Friday. The, the major sticking point actually isn't uh, wages or pay. It's actually uh, time off and, and sick leave policies that railroad workers say um, are draconian and can lead to termination or penalties for you know, going to a doctor's appointment or even attending, you know, a wedding or funeral that might come up. That appears to be the big, biggest sticking point in negotiations at this point. But the White House, uh, while they want to say that they are involved in negotiations and are trying to broker some kind of compromise, uh, they don't want to really put their thumb on the scale um, and, and force one side or the other to try and accept a deal. That's where Congress could come in. Congress does have the power to essentially force uh, an agreement through legislation. Uh, that's something that Democrats uh, at this time do not want to do. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today she doesn't want to do that. Uh, but Republicans, uh, on the other hand, are you know confident and, and want to see uh, legislation passed that would prevent a, a freight rail work stoppage. Yeah, that becomes uh, really interesting in terms of the Republican and Democratic sides of the aisle there. Uh, Republicans obviously want to to leverage that. And uh, explain just a little bit more in terms of Congress's role and why Congress would have a role in preventing this kind of strike. Yeah, so what Congress could do is there is a a review board appointed by President Joe Biden a couple months ago that essentially was trying to act as a mediator in this case. They put out a list of recommendations in August to both sides saying, hey, here's what we think uh, would be the the best deal uh, possible. Um, there, there's not a binding commitment to accept those negotiations, uh, but Congress could pass legislation that would do just that. It would force both sides to accept that review board's recommendations. That's what Republicans want to see happen. Democrats, on the other hand, would prefer not to get involved in a union negotiation and, and basically be putting their thumb on the scale uh, against you know, a union. Uh, and, and that's something that they're really wary of doing. And they want to be able to preserve the ability for unions to, you know, strike if they if they so choose, even though I think most members of Congress are not actively supporting or, or hoping for a strike. Yeah, and I, I think it is inter- interesting, too. Obviously, President Biden has uh, close ties to uh, a lot of those uh, union, union workers. He's uh, been making a lot of visits around there. So yeah, you mentioned the political ramifications and, and why the Democrats wouldn't want to uh, upset a part of their core, part of their base. Are there other political ramifications on either side of the aisle? I think uh, they all can uh, get offended at us today. But uh, what else is out there that we should be looking at from a political standpoint? Yeah, I mean, certainly for for Democrats, it's more of an issue than Republicans at this point. They control Congress. They can decide, you know, here's the legislation we want to pursue. Uh, And also Democrats, you know, because like you said, uh, have closer relationships with unions generally. Um, It really puts them in a tough position of not wanting to disrupt the nation's supply chains and, and shutting down freight rail network, commuter rail networks, long distance trains uh, in the weeks before an election, mind you, uh, while also not wanting to be seen as, you know, turning their backs on on union members who've said for years they've been mistreated by freight railroads and are enduring working conditions that are simply untenable. And that's really the rub for, for Democrats at this point. And, and why 
Democrats really do want to see some kind of agreement worked out between the two parties without Congress having to get explicitly involved. All right. And Alex, uh, before I let you go, as as you watch this, uh, are there any subtle things that you're watching for in the in the coming hours and uh, just a couple of days here before those deadlines? Is there anything that you're watching for that might indicate we're either getting to a, a, a breakthrough point or that we're just getting to that wedge issue that uh, is going to uh, ultimately cause the strike? Yeah, it's it's going to be a key to watch. There's a few. Uh, there's a large group of unions involved in these negotiations. There's a few, a smaller group of those unions that are more inclined to not accept uh, the offer uh, from freight railroads at this point. Um, that's going to be a key thing to watch because unions uh, are likely not going to turn their backs on one another. So if one union cannot come to an agreement with the freight rails, even if the other unions are able to do so, those other unions are, are unlikely to turn their back and, and walk off a picket line um, with one of their fellow unions if they feel that the agreement is, is insufficient. So that's going to be the key thing here. It's really a domino effect. There's not going to be a case of you know freight rail shuts down in one small part of the country, for example. Um, if we do get a strike, it is going to you know, almost certainly be uh, nationwide. Okay. Alex Doggerty, a reporter at Politico. Great piece. And uh, this is a, a crucial one. Not a lot of us have had our eyes on this one, and it could impact all of us in a really significant way. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, so this is one, again, uh, not a lot of people have been uh, waking up this morning thinking, oh, I wonder what's happening on the railroad front. Uh, but it is a big one because it will impact everything from goods, freight, to uh, commuter passengers, all that use those freight lines. And so this is a crucial one. This is going to be a big test for President Biden and for Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg to see if they can navigate and negotiate uh, a settlement to keep the rail and the trains running and running. We always talk about keeping the trains running on time. This is the ultimate test. Uh, Will Congress have to intervene? Will they intervene? Uh, There's a lot of politics to all of that. Uh, the important thing is that we keep those rail moving. We have a fragile economy, and without the trains moving, uh, there's a whole lot of other things that will be stopped dead in their tracks. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.